this is Jeff Ebert, and welcome to my podcast, Gospel Wabi Sabi, God's Good News for Imperfect People. We are on Season 1, Episode 51, on John Chapter 20, starting with verse 19, and our title today is Faith Over Fear. We are very, very near the end of Season 1 on the Gospel of John. We'll go for two more weeks to try and finish that up, and then we're going to do just a real brief series on Psalm 23. I'm reading the Psalms as part of my personal and small group study, so it's been on my mind a lot. It's such such a great portion of Scripture, and that's going to get us through the end of November. And then, unfortunately, I'm having double knee replacement surgery, and I'm going to need to focus on my rehab for a while to kind of get my new knees working properly. So I'm going to take a short break from the podcast in December. It will also give me time to do some prep for launching a new season in January. And that's going to be called Singing the Blues, where we'll look at the wisdom of the book of Ecclesiastes, but through a gospel wabi-sabi kind of lens. And I think it'll be an eye-opening look at a book of the Bible that a lot of people avoid because they think maybe it's too negative. And we'll talk about that. But mainly the focus is going to be on how to read and understand Ecclesiastes, knowing that Jesus is actually the answer to many of the questions that are posed in that book. Now, if you become a financial supporter of the podcast, not only will I email you the weekly script, but also I'll include some study questions that you could use either for your own devotions or better yet, for a small group. What a great way to do a small group Bible study. Just gather some friends, listen to the podcast, and then use the questions to guide your conversation about it. Just easy peasy. So look in the program notes if you'd like to see how to become a supporter. And then you do have to email me that you signed on as a supporter because my hosting platform only sends me names of supporters and no other personal info. So I need you to send me your email, and you can do that through my website, jeffebert.com. All right, now let's hear the last paragraphs of the Gospel of John, John 20, starting with verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side, and the disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now Thomas called Didymus, One of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came, so the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here, see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. And Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. And then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Jesus did many other miraculous signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. 
Resurrection. That's supposed to be a joyous word, a message of joy. Jesus coming out of the grave, it should flood the whole world, the whole earth with joy. Does it feel that way to you? Is joy the dominant emotion that we see around us these days? Well, no. The world seems to be gripped mainly by fear. Every day we are inundated with fearful information about, you know, the war in Ukraine, possible war with China over Taiwan, COVID, other diseases, terror alerts, the economy, the elections, uh, global warming, racial strife, gender confusion. I mean, what's next? The media hype on all these things just borders on hysteria. Because TV and radio and newspapers, the internet, they all see fear as a way to increase their ratings and their sales. I mean, how many news shows promote themselves like this? New research on vitamins. Is your health at risk? Startling discovery about family pets. Could your children be a danger? I mean, they use fear to get your attention and hopefully you'll turn to them for answers. And fear has become entertainment. You know, there was a popular TV show called Fear Factor. I don't know if it's still on anymore. But the whole premise was they intentionally put people in terrifying situations to see who would tap out first. It's amazing what some people will do for the chance at winning some big bucks. And even more than that, the millions of people who would watch them. The show started out with people just doing dangerous stunts like being dangled over the edge of a cliff by a rope. But it quickly degenerated into something else because you have to get more and more outlandish in order to bring the audience back. The point of the show became how to put people in situations that were disgusting and repulsive. For example, one contestant named Pam Green had to transfer a bunch of slimy electric eels from one side of a tank to another using only one hand. Another contestant, Carice Rivers, had to consume a plateful of cow, fish, and sheep eyes. It is a pervasive climate of fear that makes it entertaining to watch others face things that we would never want to face. Some political theorists would say that politicians use fear in all their advertising in order to capture votes. The point seems to be to point out the disasters that await if the other side gets elected. And just pick your issue and you'll see fear used in the advertising of both parties, hoping to scare you into voting their way. In some ways, people are becoming paranoid. A while back when the country was gripped by the active, uh, an active shooter attack, a woman in Arkansas was sitting in her car in a grocery store parking lot when she heard this loud bang and something hit her you know, with a sharp pain right in the back of her head. And she put her hand to the back of her head and she felt this sticky, gooey mess and someone walked by and said, are you okay? And the woman answered, no, I've been shot in the head and I'm holding my brains in. Well, it wasn't her brains. Turns out a Pillsbury biscuit container had exploded in the back seat, making the loud pop and then shooting dough into the back of her head. But we do live in this atmosphere of fear. And today's scripture reminds us that the resurrection of Jesus began with fear. For the followers of Jesus, their world had collapsed. Since Jesus' arrest and execution, they were on the run. The disciples were gathered together behind locked doors for fear that they would share Jesus' fate. Their dreams were shattered. Their hopes died with him. At the Passover meal that we now call the Last Supper, Jesus told them, Let not your hearts be troubled. Well, that didn't work. Later that same night when the soldiers came, they all fled into the darkness. They're all deserters, and Peter openly denied even knowing Jesus. They were troubled. They were confused. They were scared. Now they're lying low. There's an APB out for their arrest. And sure, they've heard the stories of Jesus' empty tomb from Mary, but they dismissed it, I think, as hysterical nonsense. 
They couldn't make any sense out of it, except perhaps this was something else that was going to be pinned on them. Now, most of them were so afraid they didn't even bother to go to the tomb and check it out. They're going to wait until the heat dies down and then get out of Dodge as fast as they can. And yet the same handful of unlikely misfits and nobodies changed the entire course of human history. They went from fear to fearless. These people who cringed in that locked room, petrified that they might be recognized for being with Jesus, they were the same people who turned the world upside down with the message of his resurrection. From confused cowards, they became unstoppable apostles for Jesus Christ. From being frightened, reluctant, awkward, they became bold and unafraid, even to the point that eventually most of them would be executed or murdered for proclaiming Jesus Christ as Lord and God. How can anyone explain this dramatic transformation? Did they take a self-improvement course? Did they go to an upbeat motivational seminar? Get some assertiveness training? No, they didn't look any different physically. They didn't suddenly become sophisticated or educated. They remained raw fishermen <clears throat> and ordinary Joes. But they were transformed. Instead of running from the public, they ran towards people. Instead of hoping not to be seen, they spoke openly before thousands of strangers. Instead of being frightened by insults or threats, they stood toe-to-toe -to -toe with their accusers. And when they were told to keep quiet, they answered boldly, we must obey God rather than men. That's Acts 5:29. Where do you get such people? What was it that changed them? The only explanation is their personal encounter with the risen Jesus and the empowerment of his Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God alone is able to make the transformation from fear to fearless. It's the only one who can make that happen in a person's life. They were, grad, they were genuinely changed from within. Jesus came to them while they were afraid. And that's important to see. In their fear, he appears to them. Behind their locked doors, Jesus appears to them. One moment he isn't there, and the next moment he is. He doesn't scold them or berate them for their lack of loyalty. Instead, he offers them proof of himself, real proof. Touch me. I'm not a ghost. I'm not an illusion. For this transformation to take place, they had to be absolutely convinced with every fiber of their being that he was resurrected from the dead. So they touched and fell on their faces, staggered by the awesome reality of the risen Christ. Thomas even got a second chance. Too scared to even be with the other disciples that first Sabbath night, fear had isolated him, cut him off from the other followers of Christ. Now, I can really identify with Thomas because he was honest. He had rational sincere doubts. And Jesus makes a special return visit just for him. Thomas, he says, look at my fatal wounds, hands, feet, spear thrust to the heart. Put your finger in my side. Go ahead. Thomas was not criticized for his doubts in any way because doubt is not the opposite of faith. Jesus wanted him to push through the doubts to an amazing reality that Jesus was alive, that he overcame death. He conquered fear. He is the son of God. We're going to take a more detailed look at Thomas in the next episode. But in this experience, they discovered a new relationship with God. They found a new confidence. They were given a new purpose and the power to carry it out. They were to be sent to the world, not on their own, but in the power of God's Holy Spirit. Breathed, it says, like creation, creating a new heart with them. Receive, 
be tied to, be bound to, be connected to the Holy Spirit, given a mission for the world and the power to carry it out. Now, we all have our share of fears, whether it's death or failure or pain or illness, abandonment. Some of us even have phobias, like the pastor who once had a bad, bumpy flight. For the rest of his life, he hated airplanes. And one time he sat down next to a calm passenger who noticed his nervousness. And he says, Pastor, why are you afraid? Passenger asked. He says, doesn't the Bible of yours say that God is always with you? And he responded, no, that's not exactly what the Bible says. Jesus said, lo, I am with you always. I guess that's the King James Version. What does fear do to you? Fear constricts our lives. It squeezes us like being trapped by a boa constrictor. Fear imprisons. So people hold back. They set barriers on their faith and on their relationships, on their service, on trying new things, on their giving. Uh, fear always chokes out life. Remember Jesus's parable about the soils from Matthew 13? Some of the seed falls among thorns, which chokes out the growth. Jesus said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. Fear can choke out the life of God in you. There was a movie a while back called Panic Room, where Jodie Foster plays a woman who is frightened by burglars who have broken into her New York uh, City condo. She retreats with her daughter to this high-tech panic room that's actually a part of her house. A panic room is like a steel safe. Inside it holds food and water, phone and security camera monitors. It's actually a growing business among the wealthy. People are spending more than $75,000 to just to get something installed in their homes. They're supposed to keep occupants safe from all outside dangers. Of course, in the movie, it doesn't actually work. Something goes wrong because something always goes wrong. But that's what fear does. It locks people in and it never works. It never really keeps us safe. We all have our panic rooms, hiding inside, seeking protection from things that can't protect, hiding behind money or your title or your job, your marriage, your looks, your abilities. Will those things actually protect us? No. Fear can't provide the safety we are looking for. That kind of security only comes through a deeper relationship with Christ. The disciples were hiding in their own kind of panic room. Didn't work either. Could not keep them safe because Jesus entered in and then they were changed. Jesus has to enter into the place of your fears. Jesus wants to set you free from that. 1 John 4, 16 and 18. God is love. And there is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. God's love for you in Christ is perfect. God's promises to you are his presence and his power. Listen to these scriptures. Joshua 1, 9. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Psalm 23, 4. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Psalm 27, 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? In Psalm 34, 4. I sought the Lord and he heard me and he delivered me from all my fears. Isn't that great? The message of the resurrection should be that simple. Through the power of the resurrected Jesus, God can deliver us from all our fears if we reach out to him. There was a made-for-TV film called Bonhoeffer, Agent of Grace, which depicted the life and death of Dietrich Bonhoeffer, that famous Protestant 
pastor in Germany during the 1940s. Bonhoeffer had opposed Hitler's government and had been working secretly against it, and he was arrested, sentenced to death by the Nazi regime. In one scene in the movie, as Bonhoeffer lies in his darkened prison, he hears through the cement wall the weeping of the prisoner in the adjacent cell. And speaking through the wall, Bonhoeffer tries to comfort him and assure him that he's not alone. And Bonhoeffer asks if he would like to come, if, if he would like to pray. And the muffled reply came back, I don't believe in God. And when a guard looks in and learns that Bonhoeffer is trying to pray with this neighbor, he responds, Kirchner, it won't do any good. He's going to be shot any day now. Undaunted, Bonhoeffer leans against the stark cell wall and calls out to the prisoner, If you can hear me, put your hands on the wall as if we were touching. Mine are here, too. And as the guard looks on through the peephole, Bonhoeffer prays, Lord, it's dark in me, in you is day. I am alone, but you will stay. I am afraid, you never cease. I am at war, in you is peace. And slowly we see a pair of hands reach up and touch the wall opposite of where Bonhoeffer's hands are. Reach out your hands to our Savior. Whatever your fears, whatever is constricting your life, whatever is holding you back, reach out like Thomas and touch. Like that prisoner, touch. The resurrected Jesus will meet you where you are through the power of his Holy Spirit. His love can transform your life so that you have faith over fear. Have a great week.